Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text is from Matthew chapter 3. Here again the part that reads, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You may be seated. Something is not right. Our time of Thanksgiving started on a Wednesday evening a week and a half ago. We gave thanks and praise for the good things that the Lord had given to us to support our lives and our bodies. You may have watched the parade. Aromas of cooking filled the rooms in our house, and then we stuffed ourselves more than the turkey could hold. Uncomfortable satisfaction sat in, and many prepared for an afternoon and evening of football. Life should be good. We are already at the second Sunday in Advent and we meet the Pharisees and the Sadducees and they knew that something was wrong. Yes, very wrong. They heard, they saw, and some even went to be baptized by John in the Jordan. The Sadducees, they were the acting, ruling, priestly family spanning generations from Aaron. They hold up the worship life and the political life of the people, but it's difficult. And now even more difficult with the occupation of the Romans. Like pastors of the day, they kept up the worship life. They kept up the worship life of the temple. People, you know, at least gathered for those high feast days like the Passover, the Day of Atonement, Pentecost, and the new one, Hanukkah, the Festival of Light, celebration of the restoration of the temple. Life? Pretty comfortable. And yet they saw the emptiness of their control. Something was wrong, really wrong. And they knew it. Over the time, their opponents, the Pharisees, joined them to help set things straight. Uh, but the Pharisees didn't have such a genealogy. They did not have the power, the inherent power of the Sadducees. They were lay people. But they knew that something was wrong, really wrong. Their strength was their, in their numbers, the great grass movement. Their thinking was like, you know, if people would just follow the rules, if they would just get their act together, we need more than those lazy teachers and teachings of the Sadducees. We at least have our traditions. So the Pharisees held on to the tradition of the elders, out with the outcasts, Hold on to those who follow us. But they didn't have the political power to change their world in which they lived because 
something was wrong, really wrong. And so they joined the ruling brothers of the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. There, they could at least fight for the tradition of their fathers. Yet, something was wrong, really wrong, and they knew it. So off they go to see John. He's not Catholic, he's not Methodist, but our text did say he was Baptist. Oh, not a denomination, but what he's doing, baptizing. Better be called John the Baptizer, at least for his time. He's proclaiming what's wrong, but also the solution, the coming solution to what is wrong. But then John saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming for baptism, and he said to him, you brood of vipers, who warned you of the coming wrath? As if to say, you know what's wrong, what's really wrong, and it's you, Pharisees and Sadducees. You're a slithering pile of snakes, and yet you come to be baptized. John points out everything for which they stand is going to be cut down. Everything they think that is going to be protecting is going to be destroyed. Everything they have built their lives on is going to be torn down. The axe is already laid to the tree. The very, even their very claim to Abraham's biology. If we were there that day, you could have felt the seizing of their hearts. They realize John is speaking against us, Sadducees and Pharisees. The people hear him speaking against their leaders. Something is wrong, very wrong. John continues as if to say, you're looking for something better? It's not me. There is someone who is greater, and he'll do more than me. More. More than calling us a brood of vipers? He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, John says. He will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Ouch. Hell itself. There is nothing left to stand on. No family history, no traditions, no present worship, not even limiting one's knowledge of God's Word or its use. What shall we do? What shall we stand on? Look to whom John is pointing. Velasquez, in, six, in his 1632 altar painting, interprets what John is doing, John's message. Look at John. He's off to the side, pointing his index finger longer than normal. Follow where it goes, completely to a different kind of king and kingdom. Last week you heard Pastor Worrell preach the peace that Jesus brings. It continues to turn the world as it works upside down, which really 
is to be God's right side up. A peace that is beyond understanding, brought to us by Jesus Christ. He, He is the true King. He, the ultimate ruler. He will set things right to deal with what is wrong, what is really wrong. The true King is the one that the book of Matthew displays to his hearers and starts to present through John the baptizer. Look again to where John points. It goes right to Jesus enthroned on the cross with blood dripping from his feet to the ground. And there we see a lamb, a slain lamb, victorious over a chalice. This is what is wrong. The Lord of life is crucified, put to death because of you, because of me, because of the sin of the world. But there's a solution to what is wrong. It is Christ the crucified for me, for you, for the sins of the whole world. John's message comes to us this Advent because the King is coming again to complete His kingdom, His eternal rule. John's message is the same, bare fruit of repentance. There is no excuse, there is nothing to say, no family heritage to stand on. Don't change just the way you live. But change your thinking. There's nothing else to stand on except the crucified Jesus of the Scriptures. And yet, it is so hard to let go of what we have, all that we have worked for, the home that we've paid off, the children we've raised. We do anything to hold on to their relationship, no matter how far they've strayed. Some would think, you know, if the church would just conform to our thinking, to their thinking, they can't be wrong. We can't be wrong. And yet it is. John's message, clear. Bear fruit with repentance. Because repentance literally means to change one's mind, to change one's thinking. Oh, that's hard. We've all tried, haven't we? The diets that we've tried to maintain, the addictions to overcome, shame that still creeps up on us and the guilt that's still there. Yet our thinking is still tainted with things that are wrong, really wrong, and they just won't go away. They just seem to nag us every day. Repentance, change of our thinking, you see it does not lie within ourselves. It can't be done by improved habits like the traditions of the Pharisees. 
though traditions can open up the way. It can't be done by limiting the Scriptures. And only that piece is true. Like the Sadducees. It's all true. Hear the word. It has been done by Christ the crucified, risen in flesh and blood. Look at John, how he holds the scriptures and his, where his, point, his finger points. This is Christ the King who rules over sin and death. He is the one who changes our thinking from works to faith, from traditions to trusting in God's Word, the whole of God's Word, from efforts we can do to change ourselves, our world, to trust. He is changing the world and our minds by who He is and what He has done. Look again at Jesus' feet as his blood spills from his feet to the ground. Yes, he is the slain Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, who takes away what's wrong, what's really wrong, the sin of the world, your sin and mine, the sin of a viperous people. Look at our altar. And there it is, only bread and wine under the veil. And yet you will hear, this is my body, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. And as we listen to that word, our thinking is to be changed from what we see to what we hear. For with the bread and the wine are really present the body and blood of our true King Jesus. Not worthy to be here, we find ourselves sinners corrupt in our thinking and so in our speaking and doing. Oh, and surely others are more willing to point that out. Yet we have heard another word. We have been declared righteous before our Lord. He forgives sins. He is our solution to what is wrong, to what is really wrong. By his Spirit, we are led to trust his word, that we are no longer chaffed to be burned with unquenchable fire, but wheat to be gathered into his barn. For Jesus is what's right. We trust his righteousness. We speak and do his righteousness, bearing the fruit of repentance in love and joy and peace, things against which there is no law. Yes, loving service to our neighbor, extending his rule in this world, for he is right. He is really right. Amen. Now the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds.
through Christ Jesus.